0: Uh, So, go with me to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, and as you know, we have been in a uh, series now, this is uh, week 3, on on Hebrews. We got out of James, so we've kind of been in the, well, we're going to be in the general epistles for several, several weeks, all the way to the end of this church calendar year, which will be the third week of November, that's Christ the King Sunday, all right, and then the next Sunday, the fourth Sunday of uh, November... ...will be Advent and we'll start another year. And, um, and so this is, a, this is always a celebratory time... ...and of course Advent is preparation for Christmas and Christ's coming. So before we get there, the church has given to us... ...these readings from Hebrews. This very, in some ways, difficult book... ...for those that are not aware of the Old Testament. Now, there's, a, there's so much to teach on and to to sort of prep in coming to the book of Hebrews. I mean, nearly on every sentence, uh, certainly on every page, there's multiple symbols, uh, ideas, thoughts, motifs, themes... all found in the Old Testament. Really, one kind of maybe purpose of of Hebrews for us New Testament Christians... um, ...is this, especially Gentile, New Testament Christians... Is, ...is we need to read the Old Testament. Right? So in other words, it, the book of Hebrews alone... ...gives much legitimacy to the fact that we still need the Old Testament... ...just as much as we need the New Testament. It's like people who want to say that they're New Testament Christians... That's like saying, yeah, I only live on the, I only have a second story house. It's like, I'm sorry. Uh, you have to have that first story to build the second one, right? I only like movies that are part two. It's like, what? <laughs> I only like to watch the second season of shows. You know, it's, it's like, what are you talking about? Uh, no, we have to go first where God begins, right? ...which is in the beginning. <laughs> Remember our first, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 1. Right? That was our memory verse from three weeks ago. All right, so with that said, we really have to, it's, it's ...it's daunting, to be honest. Like, Pastor Bruce and I have been looking at the book of Hebrews together... ...and we're going to be, uh, we, we've split up some of the uh, preaching. He'll, he'll be on next week, and so, it, but here's the thing. Hebrews is difficult because there's so much that I want to just say... Hey, come here and look at this in the Old Testament and look at that. But obviously we don't have time to do that. Not in a setting like this. Not when we're to be preaching and proclaiming a message from this message. And so, but, but I just want you to feel that tension. That's all I'm saying. I want you to feel the tension that beckons us to go and read and understand God's word all the way through. Because, remember on the road to Emmaus, Jesus proves to the two guys that he's walking with, ...that every word of the Old Testament, every word... ...even those odd laws, even those umen and thumens that they dice up... ...and you know all the weird stuff in the Old Testament that it's hard to wrap our minds around. Every word points to him. This is why he's supreme. He is the true weight that everything else is emanating from... All right. And so with that in mind, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. And, and really what the lectionary has done for us is it gave us 4, 11 through 16 last time. Oh, sorry, no, it wasn't 11 through 16. What was it? 12 through 16. And now we just pick up with the next verse. So really this week is, is sort of a, a companion, if you will, to last week. Notice these words here in Hebrews 5. For every high priest chosen from among men... Actually, let me back up and do this. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit... ...that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed... ...we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. For every high priest chosen from among men... ...is appointed to act on behalf of men... ...in relation to God... ...to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward... ...since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice... ...for his own sins... ...just as he does for those of the people... And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, this is Psalm 2, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place. Psalm one ten four, 4. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications... ...with loud cries and tears. Sounds like Isaiah, doesn't it? To him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence... Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Well, high priest... Where does that even fit in our world today? Right? How do we even understand this sort of thing? When we start talking about blood sacrifices, a high priest, people start getting nervous because they don't understand what's being said. They don't know where to put it. They don't know what is, uh, is how it connects to their own life. And I, I feel that same thing. Being a modern American person... To to start talking about and to know that we even sing about blood uh, is troubling. It's maybe for some of us embarrassing to bring up, right? The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, the Scripture says. But what, how would that strike your coworker? How would that come at your neighbor? ...to say to them, you need a high priest in your life. They might say, wow, are you from the medieval period or something? Like, are you in a tribal religion? And yet, in all the world, everybody's always understood that we, all, that we need a priest... This is, this, is some, this is like the one common thing among all the religions of the world... ...is sacrifice. Like Every religion has a sacrifice of some sort. Whether you have to do this or don't, not do that... ...or kill this and don't kill that... ...set this up or don't set that up. Everybody has sacrifice and where do you get this information from? Well, you get it from a priest... Who do you go to when things are bad in your life? It's the priest. And without teaching you the world's religions, I don't, shouldn't have to do that. Um, there's priests out here in even Huntsville, a Hindu priest. That will today have a service. And I've been to one of those over there at East Limestone, the center there. And, uh, and I, I listened for a whole hour. All right? And then they did their thing. You know, they poured milk all over an idol and then smeared it with honey. And then they cleaned him up and told him happy birthday. And that was the service. Um, They're appeasing the God. They're making sure that everybody's birthday is taken care of. Why? Because you forget somebody's birthday, they get mad. Have you noticed that things are not right in the world? That's probably the one thing still that we have left, thankfully, that we can all agree on. Doesn't matter what side of the political aisle. Doesn't matter what side of the scientific aisle you're on. We can all agree things are not right. Hope we can agree with that. The scripture goes just a step further and says not only are things not right, you're not right. We're not right. The line of evil, as much as we like to think it's outside of these walls, runs right through us. And yet, we have a priest. This is kind of the point of a priest. A priest mediates between the divine, this is just a general definition, between the divine and us. And us and the divine don't line up. We're not aligned. You know, like the chiropractor, right? If you've ever been to a chiropractor, uh, I say, yeah, I had to go get popped. He's like, ah, don't call it that. Call it adjusted, <laughs> right? Like we call it, you're getting adjusted. And that's that's fine. Well, that's what a priest does. They adjust you to the divine. Oh no no no, <laughs> that's not what this God likes to eat. That's not what this God likes to drink. I've been to another, you know, pagan um, service. I won't go into detail, but this one liked uh, beer, rum, and popcorn. And this is exactly what they left him. You don't leave him those things, he'll come and kill you. That's the point of it. Oh, and also steak. I like steak. Now, this is general terms. This is what priests are doing out in the world. Even today, it's what priests have always done. As far back as we know, okay historically, there's been priests. In fact, if you just spin the globe and point your finger on land and people are living there, not Antarctica, of course, but everywhere else, guess what's going to be there? Religious thoughts, people trying to align themselves to nature or to the divine or spirits or gods or demons or whatever it is. And guess who's helping them do that? Priests. So like there's only a couple places where it's untouched still, where there's no contact with, you know, the modern world. But I can get, I can promise, I'll bet the house on it. If we actually made contact with those people, they would be worshiping. Do you know why? It's because God has created us to be worshipers. That's what we're created for, is worship. And we can't worship if we're not in line with the divine, with God. With his order. You know, and there's ultimately kind of two ditches we always fall into uh, with this priest thing. Because it doesn't sound relevant to us, but it actually really is. One is this, why do we need a priest? That's old hat, like because of Jesus and all that. We don't need a priest. <laughs> well, that's not what Hebrew says, is it? No, we need a high priest, the highest priest, who is Jesus Christ himself. Furthermore, the other ditch, so that's on one side, yeah, we don't need a priest. Like, why do we need a priest? Why do I need a priest? No, I got this. I got my phone. You know, I can look up whatever I need to, right? Maybe, maybe our phones have become our priest. We're all priests. Here's the other ditch on this side. It's we're all priests, right? So it's the priesthood of all believers, you know, and... Luther, Luther proclaimed this, and, uh, and, but he's not the only one. Like, this is the general tenor of Scripture. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is what he told all of Israel. And yet, even though they were all priests, God still called priests from among them to be priests for them. And yet, those priests even had to look toward another priest. It's kind of the whole point here, right? There's a higher priest, the highest priest... Well one is that we don't need a priest. The other that we're all priests, so it doesn't really matter. But it does matter. The Hebrew writer so the pastor here as we've been calling the Hebrew writer because he is a pastor and this is one long sermon he he says look no you go between this we go in the middle of these two things. Because even the priests are weak. So even pastors are weak. And, and have to ask for forgiveness before they can ask for forgiveness for others. Before they can intercede for others, they need to be interceded for. I mean, this is why before every service, and this is how we've always done it at Harvest Point... ...ever since we started the thing, is you've prayed over who was going to preach. Why? Well, because we're weak. And before I can proclaim, I need to be proclaimed too. Before I can offer, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I need to hear those words. But now we're being introduced to a priest that doesn't need these words. In fact, all sin ultimately is against this God. David says, for you only have I sinned. And against you only have I sinned. Above all others, sin is against God. And really, this is why we need a priest. You say, well, why, you know, we talked about the world. But like, why biblically do we need a priest? Well, because we're worshipers. That's why. The first piece is positive that I want to offer. The first thing is, every single one of us, we're made for God. We're made to worship God. At base, worship is just what we give reverence to. What we give our time to, our life to. It's what we really care about. Maybe we just pause and just say, like, what do do we really care about? It's kind of a hard question to answer sometimes, isn't it? What is it that we truly reverence in our life? Where does our time go? Where do we spend and how do we orient and what what order are we living under? The first thing is we're worshipers, first and foremost. The, but the other thing is this, we're sinners. It's kind of the problem with this whole thing. It sounds good that we're created for God, to know him, to love him, to be one with God, but the problem is that we're sinners. Well, this is all the more reason why we need Christ to be our high priest. This is why we need a mediator between God and our sinful condition. You see, we were not made for sin. Sin is not essential to our nature. It's foreign. It's a disease. And it's highly contagious. Does that sound familiar? And we can't contain it. No matter how much we try to it's uncontainable we think we can just manage it we push it down uh i'll just manage this thing it'll go away but it won't which is why we have to have god's forgiveness we cannot be one with god without his forgiveness but he offers more than just forgiveness he offers cleansing That's kind of what a priest does, you know. A priest would would guard against things becoming unclean. In fact, at the tabernacle, there were always priests, Levites... ...who would guard and make sure no unclean person came in the temple. No unclean thing came into the tabernacle or temple. And same thing when they actually built the temple. um, That same thing was there. Even during Jesus' time, they had guards... They guarded against uncleanness. And our condition is that we find ourselves unclean. And the things that we do sometimes are unclean. And therefore, we need a priest to cleanse us from this. Notice that the scripture here gives us two different kinds of sin. Look at verse 2. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. The ignorant is a way of saying unintentional sin. It's saying something that we didn't know hurt someone that hurt someone. Or it's falling into sin. All of a sudden there was a trap set for us and, and it triggered me in this way and I went into that. Whereas the second form of sin, and by the way, this is what the Old Testament refers to as unintentional sin. You know, there's two kinds of sin in the Old Testament. Unintentional sin, which apparently was the only one that could be forgiven by the priest. And then there was high-handed sin, raising our fist at God and saying, I know you say this is not your way, but I'm going to go my way. I'm going to force my way high-handedly openly living in it, which is to say here, wayward. You've become wayward. And so the priest, the human priest, can, well, deal gently with people like that. And that's what priests do. That's what pastors do. I mean, pastor and priest is ultimately the same thing for our purposes this morning. God now has pastors among you. But we're all called to pastor other people. Every pastor needs a pastor. (laughs) Every priest needs a priest. Except for Christ. Who is the priest. He is the highest priest. He is our all in all. He is superior. He is elevated. I mean, that's that's what we've been saying here, right? Concerning, Concerning the way the pastor here in Hebrews... ...approaches all these things. And so... ...this... These two different kinds of sin we need to be cleansed from. One, we need to be forgiven of these unintentional sins, these things that we stumble into, or these things that, that aren't even sometimes aware, that we're aware of. You know, as you, as you get older, things about yourself get revealed. Right? The more you're around people, I mean, you know, if you get in close quarters, it's like, oh, I can see now things that I didn't really think were there. This is why we can't become uh, ascetic in our lifestyle and simply deny the world, run out into the desert and worship Christ. Like, that's not what he's calling us to do. He's not calling us to close the doors and lock them and just stay in here and worship for the rest of our life and never go back out into the world. There is no holiness without a social holiness, And so when we get married, God uses that as a way to sanctify us. We don't like the things that the other can see. But that's kind of the point. We can't see ourselves until we hold up a mirror. And of course, the purest mirror is the word of God. But he uses other mirrors too, doesn't he? Like our kids and our friends and our co-workers and all sorts of kinds of things. But the purpose is for our cleansing. The scripture says that we can be forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. But we must not have our hand in the air at God. We must repent. Repent of going our way. Repent of our self-centeredness. We need a sacrifice on our behalf. Here's another reason we need a priest. is because God hates sin. He hates it because of what it does to us. He doesn't hate the sinner, but he hates the sin. And so should we. But this is something that has to be learned. It's not something that comes natural to us. And if we don't think that God's righteousness demands payment for sin, then we don't know who God is. We need to go back and read the Old Testament. And it's not that God is mean in the Old Testament and nice in the New Testament... God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all the way through. When we get Jesus, we get all of God. But notice where Jesus goes, to the cross. What's happening there? Just some kind of weird thing we don't understand. No, the wrath of God for my sin, for your sin, is being poured out on Him, which ends in blood and suffering and death. And it's a sad affair that we are so dull of hearing, as the Hebrew pastor here says, that when we even hear these words or we sing about the cross, it doesn't resonate with our actual life. Because I don't think we actually think sin's a big deal. We say things like, well, God knows my heart, and I tried. Yeah, God knows our heart. He knows it better than we do. And the scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Only God can know it. When things come out of us and when we see the symptoms of this disease in us, we should run to him for help. He is the great physician. He's the only one who can help. We don't need to shrug it off. We need a sacrifice that has been, that's better than animal sacrifice or inanimate sacrifice of pouring out drink offerings or doing the things that other priests even to this day are still trying to do. No, Christ has done that for us once and for all. But has he done it for you? Is he your high priest? Is he your king? You see the whole thing with the uh, Melchizedek deal, and we'll get more into that in the weeks to come. The whole thing with him is he's a priest king, which is typically the way it was. Every king was the head of the religion of wherever it was. That's how it worked in the ancient world. Uh, now, in Israel, it was separated, remember, right? You, the priest could not be a king, could not be a prophet, and the prophet couldn't be a king or a priest. And, you know, there was three, three separations there, prophet, priest, and king, three offices, if you will. But that wasn't how it typically was in other places. And interestingly, this figure of Melchizedek is all about this priest-king. And for our purposes, without going into a detailed study of that, because I would love to, but is this. Is he your king do you do you actually live under his kingly rule in your life or do we run to the rules of the world first when we're trying to figure something out do we first google it or do we run to his order are we submitting ourselves to god ...and to his church... ...or submitting ourselves to all other things... ...sports and every other team out there? Are we coming under his rule? Or have we made ourselves another king? And if he's the priest king... ...Christ is our priest king, which he is... ...then... Is he our high priest? It's a simple question, but a hard one. You say, I I still am having trouble connecting. Well, I mean, this is the way I understand it, all right? If this is helpful, then okay. If not, then all right. I think we have a lot of priests out there. If priest is a mediator, then a priest is a medium. In other words, a go-between. Kind of like a middleman, right? Well, If we're trying to align ourselves to what is right, doesn't our culture, doesn't the world have a way that is right in their own way? Yes. Have you been on social media at all? There's right things to say and there are wrong things to say. In fact, it sounds like biblical preaching sometimes to me with this whole wake up to this or wake up to that or you have to post this or you have to say that. It sounds like guards. It sounds like priests. Priests guarded, remember? Against the profane and against the holy. And you know what? Throughout history, the holy and the profane, that's changed over time. Whatever's new. I want to say sometimes when we're supposed to you know, post this or post that, it's like, well, I'm sorry that you're just now waking up to the reality of racism or sexism or all the isms, but the church has always been against that. You see, there are priests in our world who are preaching and who are guarding and who are asking us to come under their order it's in the shows that we watch, it's in the movies that we attend to, or used to be the newspapers that people read. I just saw a newspaper last night when I took a little walk. That was just you know uh, deteriorating from the rain because nobody reads newspapers anymore. I don't even know why they throw them out anymore. You know, like what are you doing? You're wasting paper, right? We feel this pressure all around us. I mean, you know, like this, the Squid Games, right? Anybody heard of this? Like, my kids have heard of this. I'm like, what is, we start watching, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. I hate to be a TV critic here. Absolute waste of my life for the 15 minutes I watched it. Just because my kids are interested in it. Which they won't be watching it. Why? Because I'm not going to let them come under the rule of culture and of this world and of violence and whatever that show might be trying to say to us. There's another rule, friends, that we are called to, another kingdom. We are to be a royal, kingly priesthood, priest-king. Because of the priest-king, he calls us to be priest kings, which means we need to guard our homes, Guard what's coming in. And, and, and listen, we, it's, you know, I, I've just heard my own life, first of all, but also some of your lives, it's been rough lately. I don't mean just in culture, I mean in our own lives. And we, we, we had some rough things that we had to deal with, even this week. And it's like, I had to repent. Because I'm not being the priest to my family that I need to be. I'm not bringing us under that order. Or my own life. And I don't know. This this whole idea of priest-king, this idea that we are made to worship, and yet we're sinners, and we need His healing touch. And the fact that this cross right here, represents His solution to our problem. And then to see how we then go and live our life during the week and how I go and live my life during the week sometimes in forgetting that what this cost Him, as our Isaiah reading was showing, is not always the way our life looks. And it's time to repent. It's not time to get sour. It's not time to give up. It's not the point. These people were persecuted, the Hebrews. This book was written to people who were about to give up. That's what I'm saying. If you feel like you're about to give up, if things look dark, well, they are. Things are bleak. The shadow has been cast over us. But it's not the end. It's not the end at all because the King of Kings is still in charge. ...and only His kingdom will last forever. And He is the only priest who can forgive us of our sin... ...and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Before we couldn't enter the holiest place. And now we can. What is the holiest place? Well, it's the temple. Where's the temple? Well, it's right here. He comes to us... ...and wants to make us a dwelling place for God. And because of the work of Jesus... Sinning can be a pastime. We can now be His. Because the one who loves God does not continue to go on sinning. That's what John says. We can be made right with God and He can cleanse us. And that is a message that we need to hear. It's a message that we need to believe. Because if our living does not... I heard this quote... If our living does not match our believing, then our believing will eventually match our living. In other words, we can say all day what we believe, but it's how we live that exposes what we truly believe. And this is why even Jesus, it says here in verse 8, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So if you're suffering... If you're suffering like we've been suffering, then welcome to the party. Okay? You're not alone. (laughs) And if you felt the real weight of sin in your life, welcome to the party. You're not alone. But it's not about us sitting and having a little cheese and wine and a violin playing and let's just all be sad together. No, there's a solution. It's the cross of Christ. And until we are crucified with Christ, we'll never be made one with Christ. If he's priest king, he calls us to be a royal priesthood. It means that we do what he has done. Now, Our effectiveness won't be as as effective as his, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be. He's already done it. (laughs) It is finished. That's the whole point with, with what his words are from the cross. But we have to be willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and then follow him into the world to give life to the world, to our neighbors, to our, to our family. What does, it, what does it matter if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Don't lose your soul, friends. There's a priest that can reconcile you to God. There's a king that we can come under his rule. And his rule in his priesthood They last forever. We can believe that. We can have our kids believe it. And their kids' kids. It's that true. Are you allowing another priest in your life? Another king to rule over you? Don't come under that. Don't come under that. Come under our good father who sends his good son... And then he sends his good Holy Spirit to make us one with God, one with each other, for the sake of the world. Amen.